Are you ready for a travel adventure? How about an exciting trip to Venice or an exhilarating experience in Bangkok? Maybe you were more about a culinary adventure in Barcelona or just a relaxing day cruising the canals of Amsterdam. Join the Professor Travel as he invites you on an epic excursion, one that has you traveling the globe with him. Come and experience a world of culture, a world of history and architecture, a world of food and experiences to broaden your mind and save you time and money as you travel. Learn more, discuss more, travel more, and enjoy life more. And now your host, The Professor Travel. Greetings, students, and welcome to this episode of The Professor Travel. I am your host, The Professor Travel, coming to you from Orange County, California. This is the website, the blog, and the podcast that you go to in order to learn more about different travel destinations, in order to discuss them as a community. We hopefully will encourage you to travel more and hopefully, by all means, enjoy life more. Now, you can reach me on a variety of different social media, but first and foremost, starting with my website at www theprofessortravel.com. You can also reach me through either YouTube or Facebook at The Professor Travel. I'm now available on TikTok if you're into that. Uh, so you can find me there at The Professor Travel. Uh, if you're an Instagrammer, it's a little bit more complex. You can find me there at the underscore professor underscore travel. If you're on Facebook, you can follow me there at The Professor TR1. And finally, if you're a blogger, you can find me on Blogspot at theprofessortravel.blogspot.com. Today, my visiting professor is Trish Elliott. Trish, tell us uh, a little bit about yourself, some of your credentials, and maybe uh, some places that you've traveled to before. Sure. Thanks so much. So I have an undergraduate degree in Spanish and an MBA, and traveling is my passion. If I could be somewhere different in the country or outside the country every day, I would. I love cruising. I've been to the Caribbean, to Europe many times. Um to the French Polynesian Islands, and most recently, Australia. Yes, and we're going to talk about that for this. But before we actually even jump into that, I have a question about this picture that we have on the screen right now. Now, for the people who are watching the podcast, they're not going to see this, but if you're on YouTube, you should be able to see this. This looks like some kind of a helicopter trip. Is that what it was? Pretty close. Good guess. That was a seaplane over Sydney Harbor in Australia. So we were on a tiny, tiny plane and one of the most amazing experiences I've ever had. Oh so. my gosh. This is okay. I can't even wait to get into this. So let's get started. <laughs> so why Australia? What was the, what was the pull of wanting to go to Australia for this time? Well, it's always been on my bucket list. Um, and I kind of got lucky. So I'll tell you, I was, it started at a happy hour, right? Lots of good things happen over a glass of wine <laughs> and, um, an ex colleague and friend, um, was there with us and she said, Oh my gosh, she was talking about how much she loved Australia and she traveled there for work quite often every couple months. And she actually invited us over that glass of wine, myself and another friend, um, who's also an ex colleague and good friend of mine to come and stay with her in Australia. And she would show us around on weekends and after work. And so we could not resist the opportunity for someone who says, do you want to come visit me in Australia? And it may reduce your expenses a little bit. Um, because we had a place to kind of bunk up for several days. And so that's how it all came about. That so, sounds amazing. Yeah, kind of impromptu. So fun, though. I mean, a lot of great things happen over a glass of wine, so I can absolutely understand that. <laughs> right. Yep. So how long did the planning process take for you? 
You know, gosh, you're going to laugh because I know some people would plan this trip to Australia and myself included. It may be a year in advance or even longer. Yeah. And I think it was less than six weeks from the time that we had our glass of wine and the time we were landing on our flight in Sydney, Australia. So we did some pre-planning, but really it was very impromptu and kind of fun that way. Well, and that's kind of how some of the fun vacations can start. It's like, let's just go, you know, let's just make it a fun time. Right. Now, as part of that process, though, um, is there a visa that you have to get in order to go over to Australia? Well, obviously, you need your passport, right? So I had my passport super easy. You do need what's called an ETA, and that stands for Electronic Travel Authorization. So you hop online, you fill out some information. Um, I think they do like a little mini background check on you. I mean, it didn't take very long. I think I heard back within 24 hours that I was approved. And if I'm remembering correctly, the cost was around $20. So super easy, electronic, that and your passport and you're ready to go. Excellent. Now, any type of travel medications you had to do before you left over there? No, not for me. Uh, Well, no, I don't think there was anything. And we did, we did do some research on that. You're talking like immunizations and such. Yeah. Nothing required. So pretty easy. Okay. Then that sounds easy enough. All right. Then let's start to talk about the vacation or more specifically the pre-vacation, the the packing process. How many bags were you going to bring with you? What were you going to bring with you? Talk to us a little bit about that. You got it. Well, packing is always tough, especially for the females, right? Because we got shoes. And I'm the type of person I like to have options when I pack. So I will say, regrettably, when I came back home, I kind of looked at what were some of the things that I packed that I probably didn't need. Too many shoes, too many outfits. Um, But one of the things that I love to do, and I don't know if you've ever used these, Scott, is I use packing cubes. I've heard about them. I haven't used them yet. Yeah. They're amazing because you can kind of compartmentalize different items. So, you know, you can put like your, here's my jeans in this area, my tops, my casual stuff, my not so casual stuff, swimwear, swim cover-ups, whatever it may be. So I kind of started to pack and pre-pack using those cubes. Um, And little did I know it was going to come in super handy because I don't think the whole time we were there, we really unpacked. We were in kind of tight quarters Mm -hmm. and it was, um, two other females and myself. So we were staying in an Airbnb. It worked out just great. We're super grateful we had that opportunity, but the packing cubes are essential. So, you know, you've got your medications, your toiletries. Um, I pre-packed as much as I could. Now it's summer right now in Australia. So we were there, um, you know, in prime summer, January, February timeframe of 2020. And so we were watching the weather online pretty closely So things like rain ponchos, like I packed a kind of like a disposable rain poncho that I could throw in my purse in case it rained. We got lucky that never happened. Um, But really it was super warm weather and, you know, I think we did okay with packing except for I overpacked. You know what? And that's going to happen. I'm kind of like, I'm, I'm one of the underpackers where I'll probably forget a few things. And then my husband is the overpacker where he'll like, Oh, let's bring out everything I could possibly think of. That, <laughs> so that would be me. Yeah. It's, I think there's kind of like a happy medium somewhere there. Right? I haven't figured it out yet. Okay. Also, one other thing I wanted to bring up um, to my students that are out there that I just actually started getting into um, since you brought up the packing cubes, another travel tip that I, that I will give to my students out there is that I um, recently got these vacuum, uh, like there are these vacuum bags that mm-hmm. you can get where you can put your dirty laundry in there and it saves a ton of space because what you do 
is they fall, they're like a giant Ziploc bag in a way, but they all, but the air only goes one way once it's sealed. And so I put all my dirty clothes in there and I roll them up into a, like a little tight thing. So you, you're basically pushing all the air out of these things and you can get a lot more souvenirs in your bag all of a sudden when you <laughs> do something like that. So it's like 20 bucks for something like that, but it's a really interesting little tool if you, if you feel like you're going to need it. So I'm going to have to check that out. Yeah, absolutely. I'll, I'll give you the link to that. So, <laughs> um, so let's start to talk also about how you got, now I'm assuming you flew from Sky Harbor airport over to Sydney directly. Is that correct? Uh, we actually flew from Phoenix Sky Harbor airport to LAX. So Los Angeles okay. and then direct from LAX to Sydney. Okay, perfect. So, wow, that's quite, that's, how long was that flight? So, um, from LAX direct to Sydney is 15 and a half hours. Yeah. Yeah. How how much downtime did you have in LA? Um, We had a couple hours, enough for a couple more glasses of wine. (laughs) Yay. (laughs) You see a theme here, Scott? (laughs) I'm seeing a theme that we all have, so that's good for us. Okay, so you arrived in Sydney. What were your first impressions of it when you got out of the plane? You know, well, um, it was about eight, 8.30 8.30 in the morning. So we slept, we tried to sleep about half the flight, which works out great because when we left LAX, it was, I think, 11.30 or midnight, which is kind of past my bedtime anyways. And I think I slept about eight of the 15 and a half hours on board, mm-hmm. which worked out great. We got there, we landed and we got off the plane and coming from Phoenix, the first thing I thought is, oh my goodness, it's super humid because um, it was warm, you know, it's summertime. But it was daylight. We were excited. You know, we were checking out the scenes as we were flying into Sydney and just couldn't believe, you know, how lush it was, all the water and, you know, just how beautiful it was. We were super excited. Yeah. But you're absolutely right when you say the humidity is quite a departure from what we got in, from what we had in Phoenix. I lived all over the country. I lived in Southern California most of my life. Then I moved up to Jersey City, New Jersey, Columbia, Maryland, then lived in Phoenix for a few years. And between all those places, I mean, I love the weather in Phoenix. You know, it's kind of one of those dry heats and, and it is really very nice, especially when you're just like being covered <laughs> and you're not feeling the direct heat. But when you're going to a place that's incredibly humid, like Thailand or Florida, or in this particular case, Australia, it can really impact you. I'm sure I'm certain of that. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So let's start to talk about, uh, since you didn't have any pre-vacation destinations, I'm going to leave that one off. Let's talk about the accommodations while you were there. Now, you were were you staying with your colleague or were you in an Airbnb? I think you said you were in an Airbnb. We were for the most of the time, but on the front end, we spent a couple nights at a hotel okay. um, right down the street from Sydney Opera House. Okay. And we nice. were fortunate enough, the other gal that I traveled with, she had a ton of points and she used points. And it was a very nice high-end um, Marriott right mm-hmm. in the heart of Sydney. Wow. Yeah. Beautiful view of the Gold Coast. And you were, were you in Sydney the entire time? We were, um, we, we kind of, you know, debated, do we leave Sydney? Do we go to the Great Barrier Reef? Do we, we even talked for a a couple days about, you know, do we hop on a flight and go to New Zealand? Mm. But what we decided is we're in Sydney. There's so much to do, so much to see. We probably could have spent months in Sydney and still not seen it all, but that we were going to maximize our time cut out additional travel time and just stay in Sydney. So we were in Sydney for 10 full days. We did have one um, excursion that we booked as we got there because people kept saying, Hey, you need to go to the blue mountains Mm. and see how beautiful it is. And so we booked an excursion. That was an all day excursion um, that we really loved. So I highly recommend going to the blue mountains Um, on that excursion. We also got to go to a wildlife rescue 
um, place. Cool. And so we saw kangaroos, we saw koalas and all the wildlife of Australia, which was even more meaningful because as you know, Australia has really struggled with wildfires Yeah, months and months. And so, you know, by some estimation, they've said that they've lost over 1 billion wildlife, kangaroos, koalas. So it was really cool and meaningful to, to do that. I had never seen a koala, never seen a, a kangaroo, and we were up close and personal, mm. you know, with them. So were you actually there when the wildfires were going on? We were there. So, um, you know, most of the wildfires are out in the bush country. So, you know, Sydney, there was maybe one or two days where it was a little bit hazy and you could see some smoke yeah. um, in the sky, you know, probably like what we're used to seeing in LA and Phoenix when it's just kind of a bad pollution day and the skyline looks kind of gross, but that was actually from wildfire smoke. So yeah. And the fires are still going on, but you know, it unfortunately doesn't really impact Sydney where we were, but I know lots of people, animals and firefighters and such first responders have been impacted there. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's get to a brighter conversation now. Okay. okay. Let's talk a little bit about the itinerary. So you're going to be in Sydney for all this time. Let's break it down over just maybe the 10 days. What are some of the highlight activities that you experienced that you really enjoyed? So um, one of the things that was really cool, and I don't know that everyone will get this opportunity, but we happened to be there. Again, it wasn't planned. We happened to be there during what's called Australia Day. And Australia Day is kind of like, um, you know, the equivalent of Fourth of July in the States. And so we actually got to see fireworks over the Opera House, over the um, Harbor Bridge. Amazing. I mean, kind of like a once in a lifetime thing that you see, you know, on TV New Year's Eve. But what I would recommend, if you're an outdoor enthusiast, or even if you're not, um, it, you know, it's a several hour hike, trek, walk. Um, Bondi Beach, which is one of the most mm -hmm. famous beaches, of course, in all of Sydney, has a walk. And it's, it's called the walk from Bondi Beach to Coogee. And Coogee is another beach. And you walk through the most breathtaking um, scenic route that I've ever been on, you know, and there's stairs that are built in and walkways. You walk past a cemetery. That doesn't sound very enticing, <laughs> but actually it was like probably one of the coolest cemeteries that I've ever seen overlooking cliffs and, you know, the beaches and water. And it's like, just when you leave one sunny beach, you walk a couple, you know, a couple hundred more feet and you look down and there's another stunning beach. You know, if I can interrupt you for just one second. Sure. For my students that are out there, I don't want you to dismiss any place, even a cemetery, because sometimes you'll really be surprised. When I was in France, I actually came upon this cemetery, which is in effect an outdoor museum. And they, I mean, they had tour guides of the cemetery. They had people that were going there. That's where Jim Morrison was buried. It was where Chopin was buried. It was where uh, Emma Peel was, you know, she's, her ashes are there. Um, I guess the... Um, Oscar Wilde's uh, grave. I mean, so there's, it's the who's who of who is buried there. So right. I mean, you can see some amazing mausoleums and, and artwork. Cause again, remember, you know, places like Paris, that's what they base themselves on. They are artwork. So when you go to these different places and you'll see, you know, cemetery that are open to the public to view, in some cases, it's not, it's not really so much morbid as much as it's a really beautiful way of remembering the people who were there. So again, just want to pass that on to, so to speak, pass that on to people. Yeah. And you're not really walking so much through the cemetery. You're kind of passing by it on a, um, on a destination path. So it's just kind of the scenery and they're all, you know, all the tombstones are above, 
kind of like if you've ever been in New Orleans, mm. you see um, some of the cool cemeteries there. So beautiful, most beautiful scenery I've ever seen. So highly recommend that. Um, you know, we also loved Manly Beach. The, the beaches, the scenery, everything about Sydney. Like I said, I could go back and spend months there. There's also a really cool town called Newtown, kind of like a hippie, um, artsy little neighborhood that we explored. So we loved going to the different neighborhoods and seeing the different architecture and really just like talking to the locals and enjoying, you know, local food, lots of great seafood. If you're a seafood lover, yeah. you know, different cocktails um, and just really enjoying everything that there was to look at. I mean, we couldn't stop looking everywhere. I was going to ask you on the, on the topic of food, did you really go for more of the street food angle or were you at the more formal restaurants? Like where, where were you at in that spectrum? I would say a little bit of a combination of both, but we would tend to meet up with our friend who was working there at night, um, you know, at more formal restaurants. Um, and then in the daytime, we're a little bit more cash casual. So, but I love seafood. And so I took every opportunity I had to have seafood every day and pretty much every dinner. Okay. So let's talk about the wines for a second, because the wine industry, both in New Zealand and in Australia is massive. It's, it's, it's as large as France is. It is as mm -hmm. large as California is. Talk to me about some of the things that, I mean, did you have an opportunity to do any sampling while you were down there or did you have some? Oh yeah. We had tons of wine. Um, we did <laughs> all wine tour. There is, um, and they, they say it's even better than Napa in the U S for those that have been to Hunter Valley. So Hunter Valley is where is the region in Australia where all the wines, um, well, not all, but many of the wines are grown equivalent to Napa in the States. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I'll tell you this, like there were some wines that I'm like, eh, I'm not really into this type of grape or wine in the States, but let me try it. The Shiraz was one of my favorites in Australia. Oh. I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm probably more partial to red wines than I am white. Yeah. But I found myself, and maybe it was the weather and daytime, you know, sampling some wines. I found myself almost drinking more whites. I preferred the white wines there um, during the daytime and then sampling kind of all of them at night. But yeah. definitely check out the wine if you're a wine connoisseur. Even if you're not, just giving them a try because they're a little bit different than what I was used to in a good way. Excellent. Yeah. Now, talk to me about this seaplane excursion. What was that all about? Oh, thanks for reminding me. That was like probably one of the highlights too. See so many things. So we decided, Hey, it's a once in a lifetime opportunity. And we saw the seaplanes kind of circling over different places of Sydney. And, and so we looked online, read reviews um, on TripAdvisor, Yelp, and some other online um, places where a lot of people book excursions and found a company um, that did seaplane excursions. And so we did that. So there were just three, the three of us. So kind of like we had our own private excursion. I think both of those seaplanes, you can get six to eight people on them, but we just happened to get lucky that day. There was really not anybody else booked during the time that we wanted to do it. And so we took a ferry. You'll find that from the main destination of Sydney down by the water on the Harbor, it's called circular K and all the ferries run from circular K. And so we took a ferry straight to, um, the place where they had the seaplanes taking, taking off from. So we were up in the air for an hour. The day that we did it, it was a little hazy. It was one of those days that was probably a little hazy, a little windy. By the time we got in the air, it was like all dying off in terms of the haze and the wind. And so it was perfect. So we were, you know, able to go over the opera house, 
over all the beaches, um, over Olympic Park. So Sydney hosted the Olympics. Gosh, I can't remember the exact year, but we got to see inside the stadiums. And they turned, it's kind of cool, you know, they built the stadiums and that whole Olympic Park for hosting the Olympics. And now it's turned into um, a place like a community where people live with Mm. grocery stores and people walk outside. And so they turned a lot of the dormitories where the athletes stayed into condos, apartments, and rental units. Mm. So just so many cool things. But the seaplane was definitely one of the highlights. I think we paid, it was well worth it. We decided afterwards, I, I want to say it was about $165 each. Oh, that's not bad. That's not bad. No. And for an hour in the sky. And it was kind of cool because when we got to the place where the seaplane took off, we actually hopped on a little boat. And the guy kind of gave us a little private tour while we were waiting for the seaplane to arrive um, of the bay and kind of the real estate and, you know, just different places around the bay that were kind of cool to see. See, the only thing I could think that would be like my highlight would just be being on the beach with like a barbecue at night or something like that with a nice glass of wine or something. That to me would be like amazing. Just yeah. seeing, seeing Sydney at the nighttime, you know, it'd just be crazy. Yeah. Um how far, just out of curiosity, if you know, if you don't know, that's cool too, but how far is the Great Barrier Reef from where you guys were at? You know, I don't know with certainty, but I think it was a couple hour flight, um, which is why we decided not to do it because we figured with the travel time and then a different accommodation because we want to stay there a couple days. Yeah, I think it was a couple hours away. Okay, cool. And how were the, how was the Airbnb that you were staying at? It was good. It was a little tight for three females together, Um, but it was super clean. It was right in the center of the city. In fact, it happened to be maybe two and a half, three blocks from the hotel that we stayed at at the front end of our trip that I mentioned that was the um, the Marriott right in the center of Sydney. So great location and lots of Airbnbs in that um, building. So, you know, it was a condo building. We saw lots of other tourists and travelers that were staying in there as well. So lots of opportunities for Airbnbs in the city. Can I just go back for just a minute also to the, um, the animal sanctuary that you guys went to. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, So talk to me a little bit about that. Was that a, is it based like a nonprofit or like, were they, were they helping the victims of the fire? Were there, was it something that they just raised like abandoned, like koalas? I, I think it was a little of all of that, Scott. So I don't know that they, if they had a bunch of animals from the fires, but I know they mentioned their intake was up okay. and I think some of that was due to the fires, but yeah, it's a, a rehab. Um, it's really, you know, as they find animals out in the wildlife, they can no longer be out in the wildlife on their own. Maybe they've got an injury, what have you. So it's a sanctuary and it was very open. I mean, I could send you videos, a kangaroo just like hopped right up to us. And a foot in front of us. So they were very acclimated to people. So you could kind of walk through, see them, you know, of course it's touristy too, a little bit. Um, Cause they've got some pre-planned excursions going through there, but anyone could go and visit. And I think you pay a fee that goes to help, you know, um, continue to save or rehab the animals that are in there. So oh, awesome. everything from different kind, kinds of birds to snakes to you name it, it was in there. That's yeah. Awesome. Cool. Really cool. Very, very nice. Well, I'm glad you shared that with me. And it sounds like you had a really jam-packed 10 days while you were there. So yeah, we it did. Like a lot of fun. All right. So now you're on your way home. Um, how was your, how was your return flight? How was customs? How did all that go? 
So we took um, Southwest from Phoenix Sky Harbor over to LAX, easy breezy. That's a, maybe a 50 minute flight. Sure. We decided to, to go Qantas. So that's who we did on, from LAX to Sydney okay. and from Sydney back to LAX. Um, here's what I would say. I thought they were lovely. You know, it seemed to be mostly um, Australian natives that, that worked on both flights. I think on the return, we had someone that was originally from Southern California who had moved to Australia Service was good. I thought the service was a little bit better for whatever reason coming from Sydney back to LAX. Now, maybe I thought that because I was asleep half the, the way. <laughs> I did not sleep one wink on the return from Sydney to LAX. And that's because we left at like noon. So I was tired. It was hard to sleep. But it's also a little bit shorter coming back because of tailwinds, giving you a little bit of a, an edge in the, the return. Um so super easy. We didn't have any flight delays. The service was pretty good. Um, you know, they've got little screens on the back of the, the seats, tons of entertainment. So you don't even have to worry about, you know, downloading Netflix or anything. They've got movies, <laughs> series, anything you could need. Do you have, do you have like TSA pre-check or anything like that? You know what? I do have TSA pre-check, but not global. Not global. Okay. Be helpful for going out of the country. Now, um, we also have another friend that lives in Australia in addition to, well, the gal that we went with, she doesn't live there, but she's an ex-colleague of ours. But we actually know somebody who's now a dual citizen. He was originally from the States and now has dual citizenship. And he was our tour guide around there. And one of the things he asked us is he said, hey, when you guys are flying back home, are you going through LAX? And he said, he looked at us and said, I hope you're not. And we said, why? And he goes, oh my gosh, because the lines and customs can mm. be pretty problematic. Yeah. And he was right. So now I know when he flies from Sydney back to the States, which he does a couple times a year, he said he always goes through San Francisco. Yeah. Um, so I will say this, it was 6am when we landed LA time. And I think every other international flight landed or they sit on the tarmac and wait because customs doesn't open till 6am mm. LA time. So it was literally hundreds, if not thousands of people all rushing to go through customs at the same time. And we were kind of scrambling to make sure we met our return flight from LAX to Phoenix, but it all worked out. So Excellent. give yourself plenty of time if you're going through customs in LA. Well, and that brings us to the pros and cons of this specific trip. So let's talk a little bit about the positives. What were some of the pros of going on a spontaneous trip to Australia? You know what? I think no expectations um, and just kind of living, living it up day by day. There were a couple things we planned and we talked and did some research up front, but it was less stress because oftentimes when you go on a big trip like this, you've got every second of the day, every minute, you know, filled. And believe me, we kind of did end up doing that, but we weren't stressed about, oh, tomorrow we have to do this or the next day this. So I think it, it was less stressful. Um and it was just kind of spont a little bit more spontaneous and fun that way. Yeah. I like that. Um, anything that you would want to recommend to maybe a first time traveler, things to be aware of? One of the things that was really cool, um, you know, I'm used to going to foreign countries and it's like, oh, I better get some money or some cash mm -hmm. in the local money that they use. So they do have their own money. They have Australian dollars. We never went to an ATM and took out Australian cash. And what was the coolest thing, you know, we have Apple pay with the Apple watch in the U S but it's much more prominent there. We could get on ferries with this. 
we at dinner would just hand them our, you know, little (laughs) we could split the bill. And so that was like super cool to us. We're like, gosh, we thought we were high tech in the U S but they're more high tech than we are. So I would say, you know, don't overpack, don't stress it. Anything that you need, you could get there. The other thing is keep in mind that um, plugs for the ladies that use things like hair straighteners, curling irons, you know, all the important stuff, you're going to need a different type of plug, a converter, mm-hmm. and you're also going to need a power converter or your hair straightener or your curling iron will literally blow up. It could cause a fire. So those are important to pack and look into. Very important safety tip as well. So thank you. <laughs> there on you that. go. Yeah. <laughs> um, also, any other value adds, cost savings, things like that? Did you did you actually go when you were booking this? Did you go directly through the um, airlines website, or did you go through like a Priceline type thing, like a travel aggregator site? You know what? We did go directly to the airline. So, and it was pretty reasonable. Um, if you're planning this trip in advance and you're going to be in Sydney. You could buy things like, you know, a week or a two week ferry pass. We didn't because we weren't sure how much we were going to use the ferry. We ended up going a lot to the beach, which you take the ferry if you're going to Manly Beach, for example. So you could do that for cost savings. Um, there's probably some things you could do, too. We, we did notice that, you know, locally Groupon mm-hmm. is active there for a lot of the, the travel and tourist places that people go. So you could save some money that way as well. Oh, cool. That's actually yeah. really good. I like that. All right. Well, Trish, I want to thank you so very much for taking the time to share this information with all of my students out there in radio land and over in podcast land and on YouTube. So I really appreciate that. My pleasure. And for those of you who would like to know a little bit more about Australia or who might want to just get in touch with Trish in order to maybe talk with her about some other stuff, um, the best ways to reach her, I know your website is trishazhomes.com or they can also reach you through email at trishazhomes at gmail.com as well. Is that correct? It is. Thanks. Awesome. Well, I really appreciate it, Trish. Thank you so much for doing the wonderful stuff that you do. I really, I, I learned a lot, so I really appreciate the time. <laughs> it sounds like a lot of fun. So much. I, it was my pleasure. I appreciate the opportunity. Oh, thank you so much. And again, if any of my students out there, if you have any questions for me too, you can certainly send them to me at scott at theprofessortravel.com. If you are watching this on YouTube, you could certainly click the bell icon above you in order to get alerted when new videos come out. If you haven't already, please feel free to subscribe in order to be able to get new content when it does come out. And if you like this video and you enjoyed it, please give it a thumbs up. We always appreciate that. If you are listening to this on any of the podcasting networks, we really do appreciate you um, making sure to give us some kind of a rating. It really, it really does appreciate, um, I mean, all the way across the board. Um, So again, thank you so much and make every day a travel adventure. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye now. The Professor Travel is a broadcast from Orange County, California. A transcript of each podcast may be requested by contacting The Professor Travel at his website, theprofessortravel.com. For opportunities to work with The Professor Travel, feel free to contact Scott at theprofessortravel.com or contact us through YouTube, Instagram, or Facebook at The Professor Travel or Twitter at TheProfessorTR1. Make every day a great day to have a travel adventure.